Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. United States of America is under siege right now. And that is the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. So you're going to hear a lot of stupid stuff in the next uh, 72 hours, dumb stuff, false stuff, um, destructive stuff. You're going to hear it all. I am here tonight to lay this latest Trump indictment and the whole thing to tie it up into a rational, fair assessment of where we are. And where we are is not in a good place as a country. All right, let's begin with the Georgia situation. So this is putting our democracy in jeopardy. That's not an overstatement. Because what this is, is a local district attorney interfering in a national presidential campaign. Fannie Willis is her name. Fulton County, Georgia, that's Atlanta. She is charging Donald Trump and 18 others or whatever it may be with conspiracy racketeering to overturn the Georgia election in 2020. But here's the interesting thing. Fannie is the only district attorney in the entire state of Georgia alleging this. All of the others, even the Democrats, have not signed on here. Second thing. You would think that this kind of a charge would be the attorney general of Georgia's purview, not Fannie. And if you don't know Fannie Willis, she's an ardent Democratic machine leftist. So there's politics already involved with this. But just step back for a moment. Even if you hate Donald Trump, just step back. One woman in charge of justice in one county has now disrupted the entire presidential campaign. 
And if convicted in Georgia, Donald Trump would have to go to prison. It's a mandatory conviction. He's not going to be convicted on racketeering and conspiracy. That won't happen. All right. But if he were ever to be convicted, then he would have to go to prison. So Fannie Willis began her investigation two and a half years ago. As soon as Joe Biden walked into office, she started. What she came up with are a series of vague charges. All right. Very few specifics. Now, we'll learn that it's specifics and discovery when the Trump lawyers go in and get all of the specific information. But we don't know them now. So anybody trying this on television and radio, either way, convicting Trump or acquitting Trump, is doing you a disservice because we don't know. We do know is that Fannie could have wrapped this up in two and a half months, not two and a half years, because nothing changed from what Trump allegedly did in November and December and early January after the presidential vote of 2020. Nothing's changed. So it took Fannie two and a half years to arrive at this racketeering thing? Does that make any sense to you? No. So now we have a situation where, again, one person, one law enforcement official is now influenced all 365 American citizens. Let's put this into some kind of perspective. Roll the tape. She is listing over 160 acts. They're often phone calls, meetings, tweets. She just calls them all criminal. She says that they all were knowingly false. And with that broad brush, she's able to indict everyone and bring in 19 people into that courtroom. That's the benefit of using a racketeering approach. Uh, but it also increases the danger for the country in terms of how we will handle contested elections in the future. Now, Turley, Jonathan Turley is the best of them. OK. On the written front, Victor Davis Hansen is the best. So it used to be Charles Krauthammer was the best, the late Charles Krauthammer was the best on TV. Um, I, I think I vie with Hansen on the column stuff, but Hansen turns out more print stuff than I do. So if you really want an, the perspective from an honest point of view, Turley and Hansen are your go-to people. Now, out of the 18 co-defendants, we got Rudy Giuliani, Mark Meadows, uh, former White House chief of staff under Trump, John Eastman, Trump's lawyer. Sidney Powell, those, those are the headliners. They're all going to be brought in, uh, and they have to show up on August 25th for this arraignment. Um, but again, Americans say, well, okay, but we have other things to deal with here, right? Um, we've got the Ma-a-Lago documents. That's a federal beef being played out in Florida. The January 6th interference uh, at the Capitol, the election interference, that's a federal beef. The New York um, Stormy Daniels thing, which the DA in New York still hasn't explained to New Yorkers or Americans and or Americans what the federal law is. Why are you even bringing this thing? It's a civil beef. Why would you criminalize it? Brag, I don't have to tell you. So that one, it's not going to go anywhere. I don't think the Georgia thing is going to go anywhere because 
the Trump lawyers can say, this is a federal election. We want it in federal court. That'll be my first step. And, and Fannie is overreached because there's nobody else in Georgia backing her up. So that, that would be the first step. Now, the Mar-a-Lago thing, Trump did it. I got a couple of letters at the end of the show I'm going to read to you by um, viewers, no spin news viewers, that say he didn't do it, but he did it. So if I were Trump, and I said this earlier this week in my column, I'd plea that out. It's a low-level beef, but I'd plea it out and, you know, whatever it may be. Get that off your sheet, okay? And I'll tell you why in a moment. It's important. Um, the interference in the election of January 6th is all about state of mind. And as I told you yesterday with Vice President Pence, Pence isn't saying that Trump knew the election was lost and lied about it anyway and tried to interfere anyway. That's not what Trump is saying. Pence said that on television. Though that case blows right up there. Again, I'm not trying the case. I'm just telling you what's on the record. So there may be other things in the interference case on January 6th that I don't know. All right. So the Supreme Court is going to have to get involved with this. They have to because the nine justices know what's happening. They're not stupid people. They know that all of these charges against Donald Trump are coordinated by Democrats. There's not one charge that's been brought against Trump. And I think there are 77 of them now or 97. I can't keep track. Not one that's been brought by an independent or a Republican. They're all Democrats and it's all timed. All right. To divert attention away from Joe Biden's problems. The nine justices know that. They also know what Counselor Turley just said. That if this is successful, if Fannie Willis is successful, then any prosecutor anywhere in the country can drum up some kind of charge against a national or state or local office seeker and completely divert their campaign. Supreme Court is not going to allow that to happen. Six of the justices will absolutely try to stop this. The other three, I don't know where they're going to come down. But I don't know exactly how the Supreme Court's going to get involved. Now, remember, in the election of 2000, I can't believe that was 23 years ago, the Supreme Court stepped in because Florida was so chaotic, so out of control, and basically said, Bush won. And to Gore's credit, Gore said, okay. That is Al Gore's legacy. Trump did not say okay in the 2020 election. He did not. He left the White House, the power turned over, but he continued to say that it was a rigged election. And to this day, there is not enough evidence to prove it. Now, the Trump people continue to say they have it or they're going to present it. All right, I'm ready to listen. But right now, it's not there. So Gore stepped aside, Trump did not. That's the historical fact. However, Trump has a right 
a constitutional right to have an opinion that the election of 2020 was rigged. He has a right to say it. He has a right to write it. He has a right to go around to rallies and rail against it. That is not a crime. It only becomes a crime when, like Fox News, right, Trump knew he lost. And I don't believe that for a second. And I know Trump better than anybody. And then proceeded to try to corrupt the election anyway. Knew we lost, but then continued to take these steps. Right now, Trump believed what he wanted to believe. He got lawyers like Eastman to tell him, you can do another uh, slate of electorates, of electoral people. All Vice President Pence has to do is stay the election, and you can bring in these people from Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, wherever, who can say, no, 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 the vote in our state was flawed, and I'm going to give my electoral votes to Trump. That's what Eastman told Trump he could do under the Constitution. Well, it's false. That was bad advice. But Trump wanted to believe it. So that's what he tried to do. But there is not a shred of evidence that Trump did what Fox News did. They knew that the voting machines weren't rigged, but said it anyway. That's why they lost $800 million. No evidence that Trump knew he lost. To this day, that man believes he won that election in 2020. Did you know every day is a perfect day for peace of mind? With American Home Shield Warranty, you are covered for unexpected breakdowns like leaky faucets or faulty water heaters. Choose a plan that fits your budget and rest easy knowing repairs and replacements are taken care of. Simply contact American Home Shield when an issue arises and their trusted pros will handle it according to your coverage. Don't let worries about appliances and home systems weigh you down. Celebrate the reassurance of protection. Don't worry, be warranty. For 20% off plans, visit ahs.com slash bill. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product is being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. Hey guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. You and I were at the top of local news, of syndicated 
programming. You had your own show where you hit people with chairs. I did uh, Inside Edition, okay? And then uh, I was at the beginning of cable uh, at the Fox News Channel, and you came in a few years after. You were at Network News. So was I, okay? So we've done it all, and we were there at the top of the chart. I just want to set the stage here. Now it's the last days of Pompeii. And a lot of people watching us won't even know what that means because the information flow to Americans, I think, is the lowest it's been since the invention of television. What say you? I say that Pompeii was an Italian city uh, in the uh, uh, near Mount Vesuvius, buried in the uh, volcanic eruption that uh, ended their lives uh, like that. Uh, I don't think the... Uh, the erosion that you describe in cable news is quite that traumatic, but it is, I mean, I, the numbers don't lie. I, uh, you know, I, and you're a good researcher. Uh, the fact that there, the pool is only 20 million is, is quite grim. Uh, I don't feel sorry for them. I don't feel sorry for Fox. Uh, Fox is doing uh, plenty well, uh, maybe not as well as they did proportionally when you were there or when I was there, but uh, they are this, they are making, uh, tens of millions, and it's a good thing because they owe eight hundred million in the Dominion lawsuit. Uh, which well, could well, not but it's not about it's not about them. It's not about Comcast. It's not about ABC News. It's about the folks. Yeah, I, I agree. All right. I, so I the folks. But let me are, let me. I, I just want to say something about about Hunter Biden, uh, and and you know this well, and, and I think the people listening know this too. You're only as happy as your unhappiest child. I believe that uh, Joe Biden got saddled with uh, whoremongering, uh, drug-addled, uh, selfish, narcissistic son who thought that he could do anything using his father's name. I think that all of those antics, the reason I bring them up is I think they are a measure of the man's character. He would do anything, uh, despite the fact that his father was a prestigious person, a senator, a vice president, and a later president of the United States. He was without uh, boundaries, uh, in it for himself, very, very selfish. Uh, but where I, uh, you and I differ is, I don't think the link to dad uh, in his official capacity has ever been established. And there's nothing in what I've heard from Comer or any of these guys. And I, I think that McCarthy was appropriate when he didn't, uh, you know. Use no, I the said he was appropriate as well. But this being the 49th anniversary of Richard Nixon's resignation, you well know, it took almost three years to build the case against Nixon. And only when uh, the federal courts got involved and demanded the White House tapes be turned over. So you and a lot of other people say, well, we, Joe Biden is not, you know, this investigation is really just beginning because the FBI and the Justice Department did nothing for two and a half I, years. I, so you have that, that exactly point that you make, it's an incomplete. If you were in my class, you get an incomplete. <laughs> all right. Because the, the train is running and it's running hard. Maybe, and I will maybe, tell you. Maybe. Joe Biden is not going to beat this. He enabled his son, knowing his son was a grifter. Joe Biden that, that enabled is, him and allowed that, him that to do That is your it. prediction. That is your well, prediction. I think that's and a fact you, at this point. You, you were careful to make that caveat that it was not fact-based or it was, it was your prediction based on the evidence that you— as It you is fact-based that Joe Biden enabled Hunter Biden 
to make all this okay. money. That's fact based. Well, let me let me just let me make this. I believe, and you use the Richard Nixon uh, comparison, which I applaud because I think it is very very appropriate in this regard. What did Gerald Ford do vis-a-vis -vis Richard Nixon after Nixon had resigned and gone in shame to California? What President Gerald Ford did was to pardon Richard right. Nixon for any and all offenses having to do with a cosmic pardon that cost Ford, I would argue, the election against Jimmy Carter because it was so unpopular. Not with me. I applauded it. I applauded I, I agree in a historical sense. In families, and but we're, I like we're, very much. We're Joe wandering Biden, away Biden, from the crux of this story. Right. Okay. But, but Joe Biden should pardon Donald Trump. That's my point. Okay. My point I is mean, well, that he should wield Let's see how that goes. Power he has to heal this He'll nation. never in a million years do that. Okay. So Maybe it's let me ask you a series of personal questions. Go ahead. Jim. When you're talking to somebody, because p people come up to you and me all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and most of them are very nice. All they want is a picture or, or what. But when you're talking to somebody a little bit more, maybe you're on a train or you're someplace in social, and a person doesn't know anything, all right? And they're saying wild, crazy stuff. What do you do? Do you try to convince them or do you just walk away? Uh, well, I, I have to say that I have been blessed that 99.9% .9 of my encounters with the, the public have been pleasant. A couple of times I've had real jerks that said, uh, how can you be on Fox News? You're, uh, how can you, I, I went to a Broadway show. I was stunned when this happened in New York, my city. I go to a Broadway show and a guy said, you're out enjoying yourself when the chaos that you've wreaked on the country is being sown when you're enjoying yourself. I said, go take a walk. I almost whacked him. But I mean, that's very, very rare, right? G generally speaking, it is exactly as you described. People want a picture. They want a little. Uh, I, uh, my rule is that they are only going to be with you for those 15 seconds or 30 seconds or one minute. And that's going to be the impression they have of you for the rest of yeah, their lives. Yeah, and they'll tell other but people. Don't be a jerk. But, you know, I, yeah. I don't entertain anymore. I don't try to persuade anybody anymore. If they ask me a question, I answer the question honestly. And you know me. Almost 40 years. Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and I still we, like you. You know, we went to, we went to day camp together. Um, so uh, I'm, they answer your question, I answer it honestly. But if they come out with some crazy thing that they heard on Fox or MSNBC, or you know, I just smile and I say, well, okay, um, got to go. I don't, I don't do that anymore because we are not an information-based country any longer. We're not. It's all emotion now. It's all ideology now, correct? I, I think that ideology is now the defining force in American society, and I lament that trend. Yeah, it's terrible. And particularly when the election comes up, it's very, very important, and people just won't get out of their box. They won't look at really what's happening. Uh, they vote for whoever their friends tell them to vote for, whatever party they're in. Final question. Um, because you and I have seen the height, all right, and now the descent of the media, it's not turning around. It's gone, right? But I tell you what, a good story could still spark a, a renaissance in whoever breaks the story. 
someone who really can can do uh, the next, uh, you know, get it behind the O.J. Simpson or the uh, go back to the Willowbrook days or the the chair or Charles Mann. You could still juice an audience, excite an audience with originality and hard work and enterprise reporting and get off, shake off that ideological bent, that prejudice that you have and go for the facts in a way that's vivid and energetic. I think that uh, you and your column, you say you and Glenn Beck and Megan Kelly having established private networks, look what you've done with the a minuscule investment compared to what the networks have put into this and you're competing on a, almost an even basis with them. That's true. That I think is the future. You and that, this it this is a, there's no doubt is the future. The technology allows now honest purveyors um, to at least be heard. Geraldo, everybody, we'll uh, bring him in on a regular basis. I hope uh, to talk Thank about uh, media stuff. And then when Hunter Biden and his father go down, I'll bring him back, and we'll. Uh, Play all the tapes for Geraldo. Yeah, I told you so. Right. Okay. Right, right. All right, Geraldo. Thanks a lot. Who is there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundations in the Line of Duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings and barbecues. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you, and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So um, January 28th, 2022, all right, there was a bridge collapse in Pittsburgh, okay, a place called Fern Hollow Creek. And the bridge collapsed at 6.40 in the morning. So yesterday in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, again, President Biden referred to that. Roll the tape. A lot of you were with me when I was in Pittsburgh. By the way, the Pittsburgh is a city of bridges, more bridges in Pittsburgh than any other city in America. I watched that bridge collapse. I got there and saw it collapse with over 200 feet off the ground going over a valley. And it collapsed. Thank God school was out during the during the pandemic. Okay, that's not true. I mean, Joe Biden arrived in Pittsburgh at 2 p.m. Um, <laughs> he didn't see the bridge collapse. Is this a big deal? Only because it's a sign of dementia. 
I went through this with my mother. I'm sure millions of you went through it with your relatives. Um, he doesn't know what he's saying. You know, he said no comment the other day and somebody yelled a question about Maui. He didn't know what he was saying. He didn't know what the question was. Um, so Biden lives here, but here is not functioning. And there's no doubt about it. You don't say you saw a bridge collapse. And then he says, um, a lot of you were with me when I was in Pittsburgh. What? They live in Milwaukee. Why would they be with him in Pittsburgh? <laughs> just, you're just sitting there going, this guy, there's a possibility he'd be reelected for four more years? I would rather have Trump and Leavenworth running the country than him in White House. I know that sounds crazy, but I, I would rather have that. San Francisco. All right, so this is the progressives killing the cities of America. That's what this is, all right? So there is a department store, if you've ever been there, Gump's. It's a, uh, it sells everything. You know, it's a luxury upscale store. Um, and it's been there for 165 years. It's the most famous store in San Francisco. I've been there. You probably have if you visited that city. So the CEO of Gums, John Chakis, takes out a full-page ad in the San Francisco Chronicle. I'm going to quote two paragraphs. Gums has been a San Francisco icon for more than 165 years. Today, as we prepare for our 166 holiday season at 250 Post Street, we fear this may be our last because of the profound erosion of the city's current condition. San Franciscans deserve better than the current conditions of our city. Gums implores the governor, the mayor, and the city supervisors to take immediate actions, including cleaning the city streets, removing homeless encampments, enforcement of city and state ordinances, and returning San Francisco to its rightful place as one of America's shining beacons of urban society, unquote. Well, um, John uh, hit it right on the head. This is Newsom's fault. Forget about the mayor, London Breed, and the city supervisors. They're loons. They, they can't run anything. Okay? What's Newsom doing? Nothing. Whole city's right before his eyes. L.A. So there is a Nordstrom's department store. Um... In uh, Topanga Mall, I've been there, which is north of the city. And on Saturday, thieves broke in, looted $100,000 worth of merchandise. $100,000 in the Nordstrom store. Okay? They attacked a security guard. Um, bear sprayed them. 50 of them. No arrests. Back to me. Back to me. No arrests. None. You're telling me 50 people run into a Nordstrom's. All people in the store. All people outside the store. Some of them had face coverings, yeah. No arrests. No informers. Nobody calling the cops. This is L.A. But you know whose fault this is? Where San Francisco is the fault of Newsom. This is the fault of the people in Los Angeles who would not recall the D.A. Gasson, who won't prosecute 
any theft. Nothing. You can steal at will in L.A. He doesn't care. Could have been recalled. The D.A. in uh, San Francisco was. That's why I don't blame the people there. Not him. L.A. got what you deserve. Ten cities that had the most theft. L.A., number one. San Francisco, number two. New York City, almost totally out of control here. Houston, Miami, Chicago, Sacramento, Seattle, Atlanta, Dallas, Fort Worth. Source Capital One, a credit card company, which knows what the retail theft is. Okay, Uh, where do we want to go from? Oh, so I got uh, an email the other day from our pal Bernie Goldberg. Okay, and Bernie's kind of living large, uh, semi-retired in North Carolina. So Goldberg's mad about all this looting, and he says it's far more than crime. It reflects our society. And so we batted around. So Bernie's coming on a couple of days after Labor Day. I'll I'll give you the exact date when we get it. But I thought that was really interesting, all right, because I believe that too. This isn't just about stealing stuff. This is about our whole country and what's happening to it. Let's get back to uh, Trump. (laughs) Can't get away from him. So I got three sound bites for you that I thought were really ridiculous. I think that's the best word. Uh, On television news, what are you going to do? The first one is a historian named John Meacham. I used to use him on the O'Reilly Factor before he became a hate Trump guy. Um, Here's what he said. Go. I'm not just popping off here. This was a coup d'etat. This was an attempt to seize power that was not legitimately granted by the electoral processes of the Constitution of the United States. Full stop. That's what it was. Now, Misha knows better, but doesn't care. Did you see how smug he was? Ah. So coup d'etat, according to the uh, dictionary definition, is a sudden violent and unlawful seizure of power from a government. Number one, Trump didn't seize any power. Okay. He tried to delay the election, and he tried uh, in a misguided way to do it on what he thought the powers that he had. There's no violence involved on Trump's part. Now, Meacham will say, oh, January 6th, Trump cited it, but uh, the special prosecutor did not bring any charges in that area at all. So Meacham is just blowing uh, smug smoke here. And because he hates Trump, that's why he does it. And because he hates Trump, he gets paid by MSNBC. If he'd like Trump, he wouldn't get paid. Okay? All right. Second sound by a guy named Tolu Oniroripa. Tolu Oniroripa. All right? He is the Washington Post White House bureau chief. Go. The argument from Trump and his allies isn't that the Department of Justice shouldn't be weaponized at this point. It's saying that we should weaponize the Justice Department against liberals. He says, I'm going to be your candidate of retribution, that I'm going to go after the quote unquote Biden crime family and all the Democrats who have been weaponizing government against the conservatives for a long time. So this is a a revenge strategy that he's taking. Why isn't it a justice strategy? Why would it be revenge? So if Trump really believes that the Biden family has not been investigated 
in a competent way, and that's not justice, why would that be revenge? Trump's saying, look, I want justice, so if I get reelected, I'm going to get it, or I'm going to try to get it. (laughs) These people, I mean, I don't know this guy, but I'm going, you know, uh, this is just makes no sense. And here's the worst of all. It is mind-blowing to me, and I will never, ever allow it to be normal that to cover Donald Trump, we have to go to Italy and draw on the history of of holding mob families to account, that we have to go to South Florida and draw on the history of holding drug cartels account. This is who Republicans pick. That's insane. I mean, she's going off the racketeering uh, charges, the RICO charges by Fannie Willis, but, you know... There comes a point where if you don't have any perspective or any knowledge or anything and you're still getting paid by Comcast, NBC to just spew this nonsense. You know, I don't know Nicole while I met her a few times. Very nice when I met her. She's a former Bush the Younger uh, spokesperson. You know, she doesn't seem to be but she's getting paid just like Meacham is getting paid to hate Trump. Now, you can write to me, Bill at BillOReilly.com, Bill at BillOReilly.com, and say, well, uh, certain people on Fox News are getting paid to hell- hate Joe Biden. Okay. Okay. You know, you can back it up. And I'm sure there are people getting paid to hate Joe Biden. Now, this is this will break your heart. So according to KFF health tracking poll. Two thirds of American adults have a family member addicted to drugs or alcohol. Two thirds, 66 percent. It's based on a survey of one thousand three hundred twenty seven adults. So it's a pretty good number. All right. There's no politics involved in this at all. So I think that number's right. My grandfather, all right, I don't know if he's an alcoholic. I was too young to know that. But he died of cirrhosis of liver, and I know he's a big boozer. Okay? My cousin, he died of alcoholism as well. And I knew him, and he left seven children. And he died in his 40s. So you have it too. I get letters every day. So smart life. What do you do? It is an amazingly complicated situation because there's a lot of different reasons for addiction. There are two things that you have to make a decision on. Number one, if you have any power over the individual, like money, or they're living with you, that kind of stuff, whether you continue that situation or not. I don't. I'm not going to enable an addicted person. They're not getting any money from me. They're not going to live in my home. No. I would, out of compassion, set them up with a small apartment if they were destitute rather than being out in the street. And I pick up probably the rent for a period of maybe two or three months and say to the person, look, you either go to rehab, you get it together. I'll give you three months in apartment. If you don't, you're out. And the chances are they'll be out 
you got to rock bottom it before these people want rehab because they like getting high. They like getting drunk. They like it. That's why they do it. The second thing is compassion. So that has to be there. And when you're talking, if you can actually have a conversation with these people, if they're sober long enough, say, look, I really feel bad for you. And if I can help you help yourself, I'm going to do that. But you have to help yourself. But if I can, you know, get specialists and hunt up some research for you, or do whatever you need, medical doctors, insurance, because insurance covers addiction recovery. I'll help you. But the chances are that they're not going to go for the help at least the first 80 times you offer it because addiction gets you. And again, most of these addicts and alcoholics, they want to get high. They don't care who it hurts. They don't care if they destroy themselves. Look, we got about 150,000 Americans going to die from fentanyl this year. About 150,000, maybe more. Now, that, is, that stat I'm giving you is higher than the stat the government puts out because the government doesn't want you to know the extent of this. Anybody who would take fentanyl doesn't care whether they live or die. They don't care. They know. The addicts know. The people sitting at the bar day in and day out, they know they're destroying themselves. But they don't care. They're self-destructive. To get through that, really difficult. But you have to be compassionate. You have to say, look, when you want to do it, you come in, but no cash, ever. Because it goes right down. And, you know, the people who are begging in the streets and all that, you know, it's all junk. They're not spending it on food. They're not buying drugs with it. I never give them a dime. I'll fund the food pantries. I'll fund the Catholic charities all day long. But I'm not giving some guy on the street who's asking me for money, anything, because I know where the money's going, right into the dealer's pocket. Anyway, uh, 66% of American adults have this situation. That's unbelievable. Here is the final thought of the day, very brief. I don't call President Trump. He calls me occasionally. The next time he calls, I will tell him this. If he asks, I don't intrude. Number one, you need the best constitutional lawyer in the country, as I said earlier in the broadcast. Number two, think about the Mar-a-Lago thing. See if you can work that out. You get that off your plate, the Supreme Court much more likely to come in and rule that this is a political prosecution. And third, don't need any more personal attacks. You can defend yourself, and I hope you do in every rally you have. Defend yourself. But the personal attacks at this point don't do you any good. That's it. Final thought. See you tomorrow for the No Spin News.